I was seven years old, and I was getting ready for my PAL club basketball game. And I think we have a picture of my team. So if you look at the team real quick, uh, try to pick out which number I am uh, on that. Uh, if you're not sure, we'll circle it. It is number 10. I was number 10, and I'm just saying my wife still says that I'm a 10, okay? Uh, just saying. And uh, on that particular day, I was so excited. I had got my uniform on. I had got my gray sweats on. I had my high-top Converse tennis shoes, and I was ready to go hoop it up. And uh, as we were getting ready to walk out, my dad looked at me, and he said, What's on your head? And I had this one little red dot. And I was like, I don't know, you know, a pimple, puberty? I'm not sure. And he said, well, you know, uh, raise your shirt up. And when I raised my shirt up, I had all these red dots on my chest. Now, uh, does anyone want to take a guess? What did I have? Chicken pox. That's right. Now, as a seven-year-old, I knew nothing about chicken pox because I had not been around any chickens before. And I wasn't sure what this meant at all. And pretty soon, I just keep getting ready to go. And I'll never forget, my dad looked at me and he said, you are not going to the game. And I was like, what you talking about, dad? And uh, he said, no, you can't go to the game. And I said, well, if you're not going to take me, I'll go by myself. And I was running to the door, getting ready to take off. When he got to the door before me and he locked the door and he said, Chris, you got chicken pox. I am making you to stay home. I don't know about you, but I hate it when other people make me do something. Do you hate it when other people make you do something? When they twist your arm, when they challenge you to do something more, there's something within me that simply wants to rebel and revolt against whatever that is. I wonder about you. Do you have that same thing when someone wants to strong arm you or make you do something? Do you have a tendency to simply say no and to somehow walk away? Well, today we're in our second part of our series called Restore, and we're looking at the most uh, famous chapter maybe in the entire Bible, uh, Psalm 23. Now, last week, uh, we looked at the first verse, and uh, I would like all of us to kind of read this out loud together. It'll come up on the screen. All of you on the stream, if you can join us as well, it's more fun when we're all together. If you could read this together with me out loud, one, two, three, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then we learned last week that God is enough, that he meets our needs. We don't have to worry about him not meeting our needs. He may not always meet our wants, but he'll meet our needs. And then the scripture goes on to say today, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Now, I don't know if you realize this or not, but God wants to make you do some things. And one of the reasons why many people choose never to go to church is because they don't want someone to make them to do something they don't want to do. But I'm telling you, the only thing that God wants to make you do is to lie down by green pastures. Now, 
Some people will say, well, even that, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to make me do anything, God. I want to be my own boss, my own person. I want to be my own shepherd. I want to do my own thing. And from some people, they're like, I want to be the shepherd. I don't want to be the sheep. The problem is, folks, you aren't the shepherd. You are the sheep. You are the one to follow. Now, sometimes when people actually start to follow God, they're like, hey, I kind of like to be the sheep. It's kind of a compliment. God just called me a sheep. I mean, I'm like a little, bah, 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 little sheep. And the sheep's going to take care of me. And, and all of a sudden, we begin to start seeing it as a compliment, as it's something that is great. The reality, folks, when God calls you a sheep, it's not a compliment. You know why? Because sheep are stupid. Sheep are not always smart. How do we know this? I read an article uh, in which a few years ago in an eastern Turkey village, there was a whole flock of sheep and the shepherd had left them for a period of time. And all of a sudden, the lead sheep runs off to a cliff and jumps over it. And you'd think that when that took place, that some of the sheep would have said, I don't know about this. It doesn't look like he's coming back. And... That's not what happened. Everybody just kept running. All of the sheep after another, one after another, start going off the cliff. Why? Sheep aren't smart. They're just not smart. And sheep don't think of the thought of logical reason that I'm going to stop doing what everyone else is doing and I'm not going to go over there. I mean, they just think something like this. Well, Sally went and Pete went, so I might as well go too. It doesn't look like such a bad idea. And folks, the truth is, we as human beings are exactly the same way. We tend to follow other people, whatever they're doing, whatever the culture is, we do. And so then we live overstressed, hurried, exhausted, no margin for our lives. And so the good shepherd says, hey, 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 I want to make you lie down by green pastures. I want to lead you beside some still water. So for the rest of our time, what I want to talk about is hurry. And specifically, what I want to focus in on is our big idea this morning. This is your first fill in the blank, either on the app or in your program. And it's this, eliminate hurry from your life. If you want to have a healthy life, you will choose to eliminate hurry from your life. Now, The problem is, is that many of you don't agree with this. In fact, right now, you're getting some pushback. You're like, hurry? That's not a bad thing. Hurry's a good thing. Hurry allows me to get things done. Hurry allows me to multitask. Hurry allows me to do faster, quicker things so that I can do that. Hurry actually is a good thing, Chris. Hurry is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But... What if just for our sake, what if for the sake of our time together today, that the frantic pace that you're on, that never stopping, always multitasking, always trying to do more and faster and quicker is the main thing that is actually hurting your relationship with God? What if it is that thing that is hurting your relationship with your spouse, with your kids, with other family, your coworkers? Other folks, you're losing this sense of joy or this sense of peace. What if it's all due to hurry? 
A while back, I went to uh, Kohl's on my day off. I wasn't in a hurry. I had nothing that I needed to do. And so I'm driving around the parking lot trying to figure out a parking space. As I get ready to go to a parking space, uh, I notice that a car is getting ready to back out. And you know what etiquette is. If you turn your turn signals on, that means I'm claiming that space. So I pull up, I turn my turn signals on, the person begins to back out, but they back out towards me. And about that time, some other car pulls up right on the other side. And as the car pulls away and I'm getting ready to hedge in to go in, that person goes into my parking spot. Now, folks, I'm not in a hurry. It's my day off. I only have to get a couple of items. I have nothing to do whatsoever. And all of a sudden, I start getting angry and ticked off. And I start wondering myself if I should let this person know that I think they're number one in my life. It's a finger that sometimes you use, you know. And uh, I think they call it tall man, but I chose not to do it that day. And I resisted the temptation. And I did a pastoral thing. I actually started to pray for this person. And this was my prayer. God, whatever they're looking for in Coles, may it be out of stock in Jesus' name. (laughs) And that was it. And you know, I, I reflected back on that incident as I was preparing for this teaching. And it happens many times in my life. And I wondered, I had nothing to do. And yet I was angry. I was frustrated. I was impatient. I don't know about you, but sometimes I am not in a hurry, but hurry is inside of me. Let me say that again. Many times in my life, I am not in a hurry whatsoever, and yet there's hurry inside of me. Now, the good news is, is that Jesus had a response to hurry, and it deals with two sisters called Mary and Martha. And it's found in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38, and this is what it says. As Jesus and his disciples were on the way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. They were his disciples. There were women disciples too. They weren't counted as the apostles, but they followed. These were two of them. She called her sister Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was, what's the next word? What was she? She was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now, what's interesting to me in this passage is both of these people, both of these sisters, these two women have an opportunity that is exactly the same. To be able to be with Jesus. Now, Mary embraces the moment. Now, she might have had groceries she had to go get. She may have laundry done. She may have had work emails that she needed to send beyond beyond the end of the day that she wanted to get it taken care of. But instead of doing any of that, she embraces the moment with Jesus and she simply chooses to ignore everything else and to spend some time with him. She hangs out with him. She says in her mind, it's a soundtrack that goes in her mind, I will not be in a hurry. I will spend time with him. Now, uh, Martha is quite the opposite. When Martha gets there, she gets distracted. And the soundtrack that is in her mind is this idea that I've got to get everything done. 
And I'm going to, this is putting me behind from getting everything done today. So I better hurry up and get all the different pieces together. And is Jesus going to have a good time? And is everything going to work out? And is everything going to be perfect for him? She wigs out, she stresses out in the midst of this. Verse 40. Martha came to Jesus and asked, Lord, you don't care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself. What did that sound like? Whining. It's fun to whine sometimes, isn't it? Because there are people in your house or in your workplace, they're not doing the work. You're like, huh? Have you ever whined this before? There's no one here to do this. I'm doing all the work myself. Tell her to help me. And then verse 41, Jesus says this, Martha, Martha. Now, let me just put it this way. If Jesus has to say your name twice, you're in trouble. He says, Martha, Martha, Jesus answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. In this story, you can almost hear the hurry in Martha's voice. She is anxious. She is stressed out. She's worried. She's overwhelmed because her schedule has been interrupted. And now she's trying to do her best to make sure that Jesus is okay. And she's wondering, is this going to go right? Is this going to be perfect enough? Is Jesus going to feel honored with what I'm going to do? Have you ever been in a moment in which all of a sudden something changes in your schedule and you get overwhelmed, you get hurried, or you're constantly living in that way and it gets anxious and you feel burdened? Well, hurry comes to Martha and she starts to assume that Jesus doesn't care for her struggle. And that's the first kind of learning that we get here because she says, Lord, don't you care? Lord, don't you care? Do you notice all that I'm doing, God? Mary's not doing anything. I'm doing it all. Aren't you going to do something about it? Folks, isn't that how it is when we feel rushed? When we feel rushed or hurried, we feel like we are doing it ourselves, and that no one cares. We're struggling with the fact that no one in the family cares. No one in the uh, workplace cares. I'm doing all of this by myself. And then the second assumption is that she feels not only that no one cares, but secondly, that I'm all alone. My sister has left me to do all of this work by myself. Have you ever felt that way before? That you are the one doing all the work and you're by yourself. Have you ever said that to your spouse, to your significant other, to your coworker, to your roommate, to a teammate? I'm doing all this by myself. I feel like I'm alone. No one cares. I'm all alone. You know, when you're in a hurry, what often happens is you begin to start feeling like you are all alone. And it makes you to get even more in a hurry or you become more hurried because now all of a sudden you feel like you're doing it by yourself. But here's the thing. Here's the question that I want to ask everyone on the stream and everyone here in the auditorium. Was Martha alone? Okay, uh, it's not a trick question. Was Martha alone? No. Who is right there standing before her? Who is it? 
Jesus. Her sister is sitting. Jesus is standing. Here is the God of the universe. God in human flesh. The second part of the Trinity. The one who was there at the very beginning. The one who knows all things is right there in her home. You see, folks, when hurry gets in us, we start to miss the one thing that matters the most, and that is that God is with us. In every moment of our lives, God is with us. And you know what? Jesus isn't anxious. He's not overwhelmed. He's not worried. He's not stressed out about whatever is going on because God is with us. Us. But instead, what we often do is we start to see only the things that aren't getting done. And it gets us more hurried. What isn't perfect? What isn't getting done? What's going to go wrong? Well, we have enough time to do it all. Now, this is what I know for some of you, both looking on the stream and you in the auditorium today. And it's this. School is starting this week. And some of you, school already started. Ours did. And when school starts, what it does is it brings routine back into families, but also what it brings is hurry. We've had a couple months off, and now all of a sudden hurry is there. And if you don't choose to intentionally eliminate hurry out of your life, the school year will pass and you'll feel overwhelmed by all things. So how do we eliminate hurry? How do we get rid of it? Well, this is what I need you to know. And it's this. You can't do it by yourself. You can't read enough self-help books that are going to make you slow down your life. Sometimes people think, well, yes, I can. I can just kind of get up in the morning. I'm going to say, I'm not going to hurry. I'm going to slow down. And I'm not going to be impatient. And we actually say it like that, very fast, very quick, over and over and over again. And for some of you, what you need more than anything else, folks, is a come-to-Jesus meeting. And a come-to-Jesus meeting is like this. You come and you say, God, these are the things I'm feeling overwhelmed by. Maybe you write them down, you say them to him, whatever that is. And then you stop and slow down enough so that you listen To him, you sit at his feet like Mary did. You listen to him, and this is what he says. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Come to me, single parents who feel like they're falling apart. Come to be businessman who feels like you're going to lose it all. Come to be mom who feels like there's no time for herself. Come to me, students who are overwhelmed by school starting. Come to me, all of you, Jesus said, and what will he give you? He said this, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you hurry. Is that what he says? I'll give you hurry. No, he doesn't say that. What does he say? Come to me, and I will give you what? Rest. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. And that's what we're trying to do in this series, is to learn from the great shepherd, to learn from the good shepherd, to learn from Jesus that we don't have to do the same pace that the world is doing. We can actually go at a pace that he has so that we lie down in green pastures and we are led by still waters. Folks, here's the thing. Jesus was never hurried. Did Jesus have busy moments? Absolutely. Were there demands on his life? 
Guaranteed. Were there pressures that he felt? Yes. Were there things that he had to get done each day? For sure. But if you look at Jesus's life, what you'll notice is that he had a rhythm where he intentionally got rid of hurry in his life. He was never hurried. He had time for the people around him. If things came up, he knew how to put people above everything else. And he intentionally set up his life to have a rhythm where he would not give into the temptation of hurry. So Jesus says to you and I this morning, he says these words, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find, what's the next word? Rest. Rest for what? Your souls. Think of those four words that if you could put that on a soundtrack in your mind, when you wake up in the morning, God, I want to have rest for my soul. As you go through your day, rest for my soul. Whatever the difficulty, pressure, stresses, anxieties, homework, whatever it is, you say, God, right now, I need you to give me rest for my soul. So what I want to do is give you one simple practical step to do each day this week. And it's a step that will help you to eliminate hurry from your life. And it's this. You set time each day to practice slowing down. You actually put in your calendar, like all the other things that you have, that I'm going to set aside some time to slow down. Now, this is what I will give you uh, some advice on. Don't do it at the end of the day, because guess what? You're already fried. You got to do it at the beginning of your day. It doesn't have to be long, but you set aside some time to practice slowing down. If you want to combat the habit of speeding up, you have to introduce a habit of actually slowing down. Now, this is how I know this so well, because at the beginning of the year, I felt like my life was very, very hurried. And you might remember, for those of you that were here, at the beginning of the year, I challenged people to spend some time with God and ask for a word that would guide guide our lives for the rest of the year. And so I was so hurried that I had gotten to January 20th, and I had not picked out a word. I had told you to pick out a word, and I was thinking of a word, but I didn't have a word. And so I went and spent some time, and God gave me a word, and the word was shepherd. And to be honest, I thought it was kind of weird. Like, am I supposed to be the shepherd of the church? Am I supposed to shepherd my family? Like, what is that supposed to be? And this is what I sense God saying. I'm the shepherd of everything in your life, Chris. I'm the shepherd of your life. I'm the shepherd of your marriage. I'm the shepherd of your family. I'm the shepherd of the jar. You are not. I am the shepherd. And so if I'm the shepherd, you don't have once. You can take moments to lie down by green pastures and be led by still waters. And I knew the King James Version so well, so I started looking through other versions of the Bible for Psalm 23, 1, and I came up with a different kind of verse, and it says this, and it's right by my bedside on a, on a, in a frame that I put in it, and it says this, the Lord is my shepherd to feed, guide, and shield me, I shall not want. God is there to guide me, to 
feed me, to shield me. He will meet my needs. Has he met my needs in the past? Absolutely. Will he do it in the future? Yes. Will he always meet my wants? No. But he will meet my needs. And I can be at rest because he is in control. Folks, your body needs some unhurried time to slow down. When I started this uh, a few years ago, uh, I could only do two minutes of being quiet, and then my brain just went everywhere else. But I've worked my way up to where now I try to listen to the Good Shepherd about 10 minutes each day, where I'm just being still before him. I lie down in green pastures, because this is what I've realized. If I choose not to lie down, he will make me lie down. Sometimes he makes you lie down with physical issues, with health issues. Sometimes he makes you lie down because you get so overwhelmed that you just can't do it. It could be something else. So I'm choosing, no, God, I'm going to choose to lie down. I know you can make me, but I'm going to choose to do it myself. So maybe for some of you, what you need to do is starting this week, just Two minutes, maybe three minutes, four minutes. You ask God, if you haven't got a word for your year, that you ask him to actually help you with that. And maybe for some of you, your word would be love. You just don't feel very loved. And you need a different soundtrack in your mind that you wake up in the morning and you say, I am loved by God. You find a scripture that says, I will love you with an everlasting love. Expect love, love, and more love. Maybe for others of you, your word is forgive. The thing that you carry more than anything else is a sense of shame and guilt from your past. And today may just be the day in which you pick out the word forgive and you wake up each morning with a scripture and a word that says, I am forgiven by God. I forgive myself. And if people come into my life, I will forgive them as well if they do me wrong. Maybe for others of you, your word is community. You've been doing this thing called life all by yourself and you need some people around you. You need a small group of people that can encourage you. Maybe for others of you, your word is serve. There's something that happens when you serve. You, you feel better. You feel more encouraged. Serotonin's fired in your head. You don't feel so overwhelmed. So you could actually choose to serve here in the church or in the community in some way. Maybe that's not your word. Maybe other words that you have are boldness or confidence or contentment or recovery. But this week, I want to challenge you each day to take at least two minutes where you pull back and you get off the treadmill of life and you simply say, you are the shepherd. I'm the sheep. I'm practicing slowing down. And maybe, just maybe, God would give you a word or a verse. And so right now, we're going to give you a moment to actually practice it today. Because I have a feeling that some of you didn't. You rushed to get here to church. And you need a moment where maybe you could just rest. And so what we're going to do is put up a picture of some still waters. And what I'd like you to do is to simply take one minute. That's all we're going to do. One minute where in a moment I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And if there's distractions that come into your mind, I'll do this sometimes. I'll put a picture on my phone and I'll try to be quiet. And if there's distractions, um, I've got to uh, do something this afternoon. I've got 
uh, errand to run, uh, who's going to cook tonight, what's going on with school supplies, you know, like whatever that is, I'll just open up my eyes and I'll look at the picture and I'll be reminded, he leads me beside still waters. So right now, all of you that are on the stream as well, I want you to take a moment to just close your eyes. We're going to bring the lights down here in the auditorium. And I just want you to take a moment where you would say, God, I quit hurrying right now. I eliminate hurry from my life in this moment. And I want to be led by your still waters. And if you get distracted, look at the picture and then close back your eyes again. Let's open ourselves to God's presence right now. God, thank you for giving us a moment where we can slow down to make a commitment that we're not going to keep in the rat race, in the frantic pace, but we're going to take a moment each day this week to eliminate some hurry from our life. God, give us the strength to do it each day this week, to put it in our calendar to recalibrate our souls so that we can be restored, that we can have rest for our souls. Help each of this week, help each of us this week, God, to be led by green pastures, to be led by your still waters, and to allow our souls to be restored. Now, maybe today there's some of you that are restless, but the restlessness isn't necessarily all the hurry in your life, but there's some emptiness in your life. There's something in your world in which you realize, I don't know this shepherd. I don't know this good shepherd. Or maybe you were a sheep that knew the shepherd for a while and then you drifted away and now you've kind of drifted back and today's the day where you're like, I can't do this thing called life on my own. It's too frantic. There's too much going on. I need to have a good shepherd. And the good news is, is that Jesus is present to be your shepherd. And he said he loved you so much, that's why we shared in communion, that he gave his one and only life for you. 
And he said, anyone who calls upon my name, they will be saved. They will be made whole. They will be made complete. If they'll turn to me, I'll forgive all their sins. They won't have to carry it anymore. And maybe today, maybe today for you, this is your day. This is your day to say, Jesus, I want you to be the shepherd of my life. You are my shepherd. I shall not want. And would you help me to learn how to lie down in green pastures and to be led by still waters? And today... If today's your day, maybe you drifted and you're coming back to the shepherd or today is the first day where you say, Jesus, I want you to be the shepherd of my life. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but it's one that you pray together in community, all of us in one. I ask you to simply repeat it after me if you feel comfortable doing so. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, save me from my son. Make me brand new. I believe Jesus died for me so I could live for you. Today I give you my life so I can find rest in you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.